Some say it is impossible to swim on hardwood floors. I beg to differ. Welcome to the Bad Idea Corner. Today, we will be talking about some of the things that we've experienced as theater kids. Yes. So, in theater productions, when you're not actively up on stage performing in front of the crowd, you have a lot of spare time just sitting around backstage, either reading over the script so you know where you're at, and going over your lines for your next scene, or just kind of waiting. Especially if your character has just done their last appearance. Or if you're just bored. You get bored sometimes. And the thing is, you have to be as quiet as possible because the audience will be able to hear you. The curtains are not soundproof. They are, however, very easy to hide in and just kind of lurk in the shadows if you are so inclined. I myself am, and I, for one, made a habit out of just kind of standing in the folds between them, just lurking in the shadows, and people would sometimes walk by. Sometimes they would see me and they would freak out. They would have to be really quiet about it because <laughs> I was just there looking at them <laughs> from within the darkness. I think part of it is you're so introverted that you didn't want to have to interact with anyone. <laughs> oh, that was absolutely part of it. Uh, another thing I would do to escape backstage social interaction was in the middle school auditorium where all of our middle and high school plays were conducted because our high school never had an auditorium built. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, backstage, there was some, like, HVAC stuff for the building set up on this little platform on some support beams. And there was at a good enough height where I could just kind of, like, reach up. And if I just kind of let myself kind of drop down to the floor, I could do pull-ups, you know, chin-up type things because I'm bored and I need to do something. Or I would just kind of work my way up and just sit up there and watch people. Do you remember when I was in seventh grade for sure and obviously a long time before that there were just layers of graffiti oh, on yeah. all the interior backstage walls mm -hmm. people would sign their names people would put the name of their production people would put inappropriate jokes yeah anything yeah we painted over that did you know about that yeah and then okay yeah. didn't they just give you guys chalk to write your names with or something? I think so. I know that's what we used in college productions, partially because we had to use chalk as a prop for mm -hmm. uh, the play I was in my freshman year. But yeah, chalk, much better. Cleans off, looks more professional, especially when you've got it all painted black, so it just looks better. Yeah. So I remember, it must have been seventh grade, like, it seemed to be the done thing to sign your name or whatever, but I was so terrified of getting in trouble, even though it was clearly completely graffitied that I think all I did was like very lightly pencil, like oh. a little smiley face or something where oh. no one could see it. Cause I was so afraid of getting in trouble. Yeah. And so uh, I was just like, I want to participate, but mm. I don't even remember what my seventh grade play was. Can you remember your productions from middle uh. school? Well, I think seventh grade. I know there's like one or two that I missed, like in middle and high school for like weddings and mm -hmm. such. Oh, that was the worst to like do auditions, get a role or basically know what your role is going to mm -hmm. be and then find out, eh, hey, so-and-so is getting married and we have to attend their wedding. Their wedding day is the exact day of the main performance. You are now forfeiting your role in the production. And this is why I don't like people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh wait no i do remember i th uh one of my first plays in middle school was i can't remember the name of it but my character's name or like code name was jet speed yeah, I remember this. Okay, so the the premise of the story is that there's a little clothing, like, department store, or whatever, like, clothing shop, for mm -hmm. sure, and there are these two mannequins posing in, you know, clothes for sale in the window, and then it turns out that the mannequins come to life at night. And while this is a delightful little uh, idea on its own, the real kicker was that a thief, actually a team, it was myself and another, we were breaking in to steal money, jewelry, whatever we could, and then the mannequins decided it's time to act. Right. I I remember, so your Jet Speed, the self-proclaimed leader of the duo, yes. opposite your partner Chicken Wire, um, who I later became pretty good friends with in high school, the funny thing I think looking back on this is I, like, the first time I actually met the person that played Chicken Wire was um, was at a math meet. I was only in fifth grade, I think, or maybe sixth, and I think you had, like, talked to Mr. Nesbury, your math teacher, uh -huh. and you're like, hey, my brother does math stuff, and so I got just kind of shuffled in on this thing, even though it didn't go to, like, the main the middle school oh, okay and um i don't remember how exactly i think i just like sat behind her or something it's like she the thing was i was a very small child and she's a short kind of petite individual herself so uh i distinctly remember it was like in between testing periods she was just like okay follow the short person it was just kind of like dragging me through the hallways i was like oh okay <laughs> um it helped a lot honestly and I think it's at some point during that, like I mentioned, the whole like just be chicken more things. It's like, oh hey, yeah, that was your sister or whatever. And I remember at some point making some sort of joke or whatever. I think it might have been involving the nickname Chicken Watch. She's like, that is so rude, but nice, and like <laughs> high five me. I think that like was an early sign of our friendship that would come later in high school. But... Yeah. So to give some context, this was a yearly math competition that still happens. It's separate from Academic Olympics, which we're also forced, forced, drafted, I would say would be the best term. Yeah. They're like, hey, you would be good on this competition. Why don't you give up your lunch period to go meet and find out about it? Or meet at like 7.30 a.m. Oh, I hate before school meetings. They're awful. No one likes them. I'm not awake enough. I'm not even a coffee person to like I mean, try to use caffeine to wake myself up. It's just, ugh. I mean, Mrs. Gebhardt brought donuts. Yes, that was the redeeming feature okay. of those meetings. They um, were all right. I would always get the ones with mini M&Ms on top. Oh, smart. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the math meet, it would have basically 6th through 12th grade mm -hmm. from the, uh, like many different towns, actually. Yeah. It was... Yeah. I wonder if it affects, like, grant money or something, depending on how smart your kids are. That's the only way I can see why people would be pushing kids to do this. Well, don't they get that from, like, well, I suppose those are standardized tests. Yeah. So, anyway, Luke at the time went to a country school, like, at the edge of town or right mm -hmm. outside of town, not the, like, in-town middle school, but he was still allowed to come. I Did I really get you dragged into that, or did I just mention that I had a younger brother? That might have been it. I bet you what happened was 
there are several of my classmates that had siblings two years younger. So they probably, oh. there was probably, you know, a batch of right. sixth graders when I, we were eighth graders. Peter. Yeah. And others. Yeah. So then I was probably like, oh, well, my brother did that other school. Like, that's probably what it is. I probably. I, I hope I wouldn't have gotten you drafted into a math competition. I enjoyed it. They had pizza. Yeah. yeah, they had pizza. And I feel like you won something. Your team won something. Uh, yeah, I think I got an honorable mention that year. Yeah. So, we're definitely nerds. Sorry. We'll get back to theater, <laughs> which is at least entertaining. So, yeah, that's how you met one, yeah. one of the theater kids. But, yeah, the thing is, you have to be so quiet backstage. Mm-hmm. And I definitely did not help at one circumstance because I thought of a really good joke. And so, I don't know what the context was. But from your past retellings, I recall you mentioning that, like, Zach had made some sort of reference to the age-old joke from Skyrim, the whole, like, uh, I used to be an adventurer like you, so on and so forth. Until until I took an arrow to the knee. Right. I don't know why that came up. Maybe we were, like, riffing off of something that was happening on stage. Like, I'm guessing that was what would, was happening. Probably. And then so, of course, we're being as quiet as possible. Zach said something, mm. well, like, stage whispered something about... I used to be an adventurer like you. And then... Um, I finished it with a Monty Python reference until I took a shrubbery to the knee instead of arrow to the knee. It's less funny when you have to explain it, but still. Zach was laughing so hard, but he was like suffocating because he was trying to make no noise. So he was rolling on the ground laughing. Like he was just like (laughs) curled up and laughing so hard. So that's definitely a highlight of backstage experiences for me is seeing him laugh that hard. I know you... Mm in between scenes but mostly when we were like rehearsing you would swim on the floor yeah i was bored uh (laughs) because other people would be working on their scenes for like half an hour or more and i would just kind of lie on my side or on my back and just kind of scooch around um in swimming motions and people just kind of had to move around me (laughs) Luke coped with existence by ennui. <laughs> the ennui it threatens. <laughs> I shall escape with my swimming. I mean, honestly, this was made be- better by the fact that so a this was during the play with the typewriter because I was, I was the typewriter user's young son. Which works. I was in like ninth or tenth grade, so I was really short. Like he hadn't hit his growth spurt yet, so he was still scrawny. Very scrawny. So as this young child, I was wearing Pikachu pajama pants, and my mom like had knitted me a Pikachu. I don't know what the name that that type of has like the little strings for you to like tie it around your chin. It was a Pikachu hat and Pikachu pajama pants. I was just a, this loud and obnoxious child, just. It's- Swimming around on the floor in bright yellow. But the best part was he wasn't just inchworming, although that was part of it. You were oh, actually yes. doing... Inchworming is one of my many talents. Yeah, he can inchworm very well. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with your spine? A lot. It is literally a bendy straw. I know at some point I've mentioned on the show that you can go boneless, but really, you can inchworm, you can floor swim with the arm motions, I mean, accommodating for the surface of the floor. You can do a thing where you, like, bend over backwards and walk around, like, not hands on the ground, just, like, he bends over backwards almost halfway and then wanders around. Right. Um, yeah, I, I cannot do that. There's actually a video from Kent Lobby of me inchworming along the ground, 
and then Matthew lying on a longboard, just like kind of floor swimming on a board that way and just going all the way across the building. And then I saw him like turn around. So I like kind of shimmied around <laughs> trying to beat him back. <laughs> yeah. It's in some group chat somewhere. It was an excellent video. That was a good time. That, that sounds like a very good time. Yeah. What are some, I guess... Other theater shenanigans? Yeah, what are other theater shenanigans that stand out to you, either oh. for the fun or for the frustration? Because I can think of many times where you have to improv. Oh, I had to do that, like, my eighth grade year. I think I had actually, like, done a line too early or something, so I ended up just, like, repeating myself while ad-libbing that. Uh-huh. But I remember... So one thing that, like, we together have commented on is in every theatrical production... You pretty much just end up memorizing everyone else's lines before yours. Because yeah. you have to, like, listen and pay attention so you can keep track and whatnot. Which helps you, you know, keep track, keep pace. But at the same time, you come in like, alright, that's my cue. What do I say again? <laughs> happens more frequently than we would like to admit. But during all the musical productions I've been in in college... Uh, we were all basically just like qu quietly singing along in the hallway because uh, in the little theater, there is no backstage. There is only hallway. That's at Grace College. <laughs> yes. The little theater is aptly named and the whole building can stand some major improvements. It's just old, but that's okay. Um, What was I going to say? Some of the buildings were just built in the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way they are. Yeah. What I was going to say was with the whole memorizing basically the entire thing, mm -hmm. I remember back when we were in elementary school and we were in, you know, elementary, like mm -hmm. entire school musical productions. Yeah. So that would be, you know, there'd be a spring one right at the end of the school year. And then a little bit later, our family would go on like a summer road trip to see grandparents. Oh, and yeah. on the way up there, probably on the way back too, but at least on the way up there, we would be like, okay, let's do that musical. And that does not mean let's sing our favorite song from that musical. That means, no, no, we're going to argue over who gets what parts and we <laughs> shall recite an entire hour plus long mm -hmm. musical word for word with imitations of the people playing the characters and sing all the songs and argue about who got a line <laughs> wrong. Yep. I wish I had that capability for memory still. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I can kind of remember the intro from my junior year original oratory about Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. because I freaking loved that speech mm -hmm. and it got oddly popular yeah. <laughs> within that category for it. Yeah. Just because everyone else had like socially relevant things. I'm just like, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know it's not so bad? <laughs> yeah. Talking about like the 80s satanic panic thing and how it was all overblown, blah, blah, blah. Um, I can remember... Some of the intro to that, I can remember most of the uh, Black Stash monologues from Peter and the Starcatcher because that was an amazing role and I loved it. Um, but other than that, like you don't remember every role you play. Right, no. I know for sure in high school speech and drama, you perform that way more than any play. I mean, mm -hmm. it's shorter. It's like a 10 minute piece. Right. But you perform that at least two times in a week mm -hmm. just practicing like at the very least right and then you're you're performing it at least three or four times every weekend mm -hmm. for about what four months yeah 
So you have it completely memorized front to back. You think. <laughs> and then you get to divisionals or state and you choke like I did. This, well, yeah, yeah. You won two years in a row. <laughs> no. You you won once. Yeah. Right. Sen I just remember. Year. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, during our speech and drama pieces, at a certain point in the season, we would finally get in a point where we were like, okay, we know it well enough that we can switch oh, places. Oh, yeah. So this is not just theater backstage quietly mouthing the lines of someone else. This is not at a competition, of course, because we weren't that sure of it, but just for fun as a practice to sh show our coach that, hey, we, we really definitely do know these lines. Here, look, we're swapping <laughs> costumes or, mm. I mean, not costumes, but like we'll swap hats or we'll do whatever. And then we did the entire thing. And um, we could for the My Fair Lady or Pygmalion piece, the older, so like, British one. one. I know. I choked on chocolate in it. <laughs> There's a scene where he, like, gives her chocolate. Oh, right. The professor. Right. And right, Iggins. It's like that in a modest proposal. A modest proposal. Which... No one does it well. Well, I had to do it in college, and... You faced your death very well. <laughs> I also got a whole pitcher of water thrown up my nose. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't mad about that at all. That was great. I, I, <laughs> I just felt... wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I felt bad for all the other performers after you, oh, like, yeah. slipping around on the floor. Yeah. So for context for that, um, <laughs> uh, at Grace College, they have a thing once or twice a year, I believe. Uh, I think it's... Yeah, something like that. Where the, there's some, like some directing yeah the theme. directing class there's a directing class which sounds pretty cool to me and you get to direct a one-act play with a handful of volunteer student actors and i've done that it was super fun mm -hmm. and uh, my only complaint really is that i didn't get to see everybody else perform except at the one rehearsal oh really yeah because you know oh, seating little seating. theater yeah well you have to wait backstage till it's your turn oh uh, yeah and then you can join the audience after you perform right so you can only see a handful of other people plus mm -hmm. the seating is packed because most people are there to see their friends thankfully a lot of people would like rotate out in between scenes so like yeah you could you could watch your friends mm -hmm. and then get out of the way but yeah we did the league of semi-superheroes yep. we did uh, well, I did. I mean, like, right. students directed them very well. Um, the screw tape letters, oh, yeah. that was really fun just because I've played a couple British villains at this point, mm -hmm. and it's just really fun to oh, just so fun. yell in a British accent and glare at people. I don't right. know. Wasn't that with the Stocktons or one of them? No, the Stockton twins were um, like a shoulder angel and shoulder devil yeah. in a different piece. But I got a picture <laughs> with them later because I was playing Screwtape himself. Right. So I thought that was funny. Having twins playing shoulder angels and shoulder devils is amazing. It was so funny. All this to say, Luke's one of Luke's one acts from a scene in A Modest Proposal had him kind of accidentally soaked. Yeah. It was fine, honestly. But, like, that's... It's one of those... It, it, it's a piece that people do a lot in classical duo uh, speech and drama events or forensics or what have you. I learned that it's now classical theater and you can have up to four people. Yes, this is true. I remember talking to, I think, Gail or Christy about that. Those are the coaches. Yeah. So, yeah, they can have teams. There's, there's two different events where they can have teams of mm -hmm. up to four people, which means... Had Camden and I done that radio show 
from the... You could have had help. We could have had help. I would have done that. Because, yeah, that would have been so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, because uh, we, we each did three characters. Which is a lot. Which is six characters total in, within ten minutes. Honestly, and had we... you been able to have more people, I think it would have been nice to just have you two play the, like, two main characters. Mm-hmm. And then have two other people to play all the alternate characters Mm -hmm. or were there moments where the like in between characters actually talked to each other they did everyone interacted it was a loop it was like a circular thing so like a called b called c so the telephone chain Mm -hmm. kept looping around so it worked it was very fun right i just oh my gosh i don't know like we worked so hard to get it down that was one piece that we couldn't flip-flop roles in oh. rehearsals because we were so drilled into he says this i do a sound effect like we mm. had it down like choreographed he says this line i do this sound effect i pick up a phone like every move was calculated right. and you had to have you know the exact same sequence every time there was no room for improv right because that was that was originally like a 30 minute radio show wasn't it yes and he cut it down to like 10 yeah and my least favorite part was that episode from that 1940s radio show the aces uh main characters mr and mrs ace it originally had a bunch of line flubs written in oh so then in order to get the lines right it sounded like you were getting them wrong oh and so we had to cut that out we had to cut out extra characters who like would walk in and say hey what's happening here and like someone would like try to sum up what was happening or something weird like that Mm -hmm. it was just so hard because it's a very complicated plot Mm -hmm. and we cut it down to like nine and a half minutes i would say there's just enough time to pause if the audience laughs or whatever but it has to stay under 10 minutes right and that one was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun to watch. I loved your piece that year, too. It was just... People around here don't appreciate British humor, I think, was the problem. Oh, my goodness. It was so good. Dry humor. It was so funny. It's like, <laughs> so deadpan. It's like, uh, the hotel's on fire, sir. What's that? Uh, the hotel is on fire. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just keep going. What? Who? Do you know who that was by anymore? I don't. Oh, no. Well, okay. The other part about that was that year I had a palate expander placed in my mouth, which I not at all affectionately refer to as the iron butterfly because it functions much like a medieval torture device. It gets clamped onto your teeth and you have to crank it twice a day to force your jaw apart. And it also sits literally halfway like between your tongue and the roof of your mouth. So your speaking is very much impeded. I had an easier time speaking French than English because anything, because most English, like A, B, C, like most letters <laughs> end in an E sound, which is kind of impossible if you can't lift your tongue. So, yeah, we weren't a fan of orthodontistry. I mean, now we have lovely teeth, but each of us kids in the family had to have a palate expander where, as he said, you crank it twice a day and whatever. And so each time it incrementally spreads out the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So it gave us all better cheekbones because it rearranged our entire facial structure. Which... Like your whole skull. Well, not I'm, your whole skull. Front of your skull. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that, honestly. <laughs> the cheekbones. Very mm. important. I mean, 
also, if you like look at our mom and her mom, cheekbones. So it's yeah, also genetic, but also but, like, definitely it, because it, the cow definitely helped. <laughs> it was a boost. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about contouring your face with makeup. Just go through months of agony. <laughs> to Just get change your bone structure. You know, when a character's like, ah, I'm in disguise, and they have like putty or something. Yeah, like, I was thinking about that recently. In their yeah. mouth to like. Yeah. change the structure of their face and for uh i think it was when they're pr- uh, preparing to film the first godfather movie uh marlon brando who played you know the first godfather um until i don't know if it was like until he could get the voice right no that was for a different character and a completely different production well like, he literally just stuffed like tissues in his mouth <laughs> to, to get that the, the kind of jowly look going oh right here um What's the most extreme costume that you've had to do for acting? Um, because I'm guessing either the Grinch or the Black Stash. No, Grinch, we couldn't do as much as I wasn't able to do as much as I wanted for that. Like, I bought green uh, temporary hair coloring spray, mm-hmm. and we didn't use it. We tried using hair chalk. That didn't take. We, like, it kind of showed up, this, but just not enough. It's because you've got such dark brown hair. We had this trashy, cheap, green neon wig. And I was like, Mike, this is awful. <laughs> it looks terrible. <laughs> but the thing was, that was, like, stuck to the Santa hat. So once you took it off, you were just a regular who, right? After the fact, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we had to modify it considerably because I hated it so much. Plus, it just looked more yellow than green. It was just very light lime, lime green. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there is some costume layering for that one, but Black Stash, uh, I had a new mustache painted on my face every night, and I think getting the hair coiffed properly, um, took a lot of assistance, none of it was my doing, uh, and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of bobby pins. Yeah, just to get that big old, what do you call that? Not a pompadour, a kind of, like, I mean, it was up, essentially a pompadour. Up and back. Um, I'm trying to think. I think for me, costume-wise, the most extreme costume I've ever had was when I was your shadow in the cabaret. Oh, that's just a morph suit. Yeah, I couldn't see. It was a morph suit and then a black suit over that. Right. And then... Oh, that was a fun costume. Yeah, but the I... hats were... And the, oh, the hats were just backstage. Yeah. <laughs> or did I get to keep the hat? You had... With a big feather in it? I think we had hats. There's photos somewhere. But the thing was, with that black scarf, like, all over my head, tucked into the, right. the neckline of my shirt, so I looked like just one billowing shadow, I couldn't see. And then backstage, it's always dark. So going on for our scene, I had to have my hand on Luke's shoulder, and he would mm-hmm. guide me through the stuff to get on I stage. I don't remember that sensation, but I believe it. <laughs> and then once we got up there, it was fine, because they had lots of stage lights. Mm-hmm. Just costume-wise, I think that's the most extreme one for me. I remember back in, like elementary school i had to do costume changes during the play and a teacher thought that that was odd and i was like why is this not theater should i not be changing my costume three times i don't understand the problem like (laughs) i remember there was one christmas play we did that was like pirate themed and since we were also be you know pirates and stuff they had us put like um instant coffee grounds like on our faces with like using egg whites as kind of like a glue oh as a fake beard yeah hmm I didn't like it. I thought I was better without it. Oh, uh, sixth grade, I was a chimney sweep, so we did just coal or makeup <laughs> on our faces to look like coal dust. And in that play, I don't know how long my hair was, but it was, you know, probably a foot and a half mm-hmm. or ish. I fit it all up inside of a newsboy cap. 
Yeah, I, I still don't know how you managed that. It was very snug. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine. But that was really fun. And we got a, that's, that, the staging for that was actually super fun because there, there were all the risers in the front mm. for like the littler children to stand on and sing. But then there was kind of a skyline with a walkway behind it. So we would climb up on that walkway and then we'd be like at the skyline with our little chimney sweep brooms. Do you remember that? I... It, there were functioning <laughs> chimneys and fireplaces. I do not remember that. Well, like not functioning as in on fire, but they, they were structured in a way that we could drop things down the chimney and like that I remember. We were being we were like gifting things to people down the chimney as we were being right. chimney sweeps. For some fun foley effects and other practical effects that we used, in Peter and the Starcatcher, there is one scene where Mr. Grin, the crocodile, uh is supposed to be like kinda lurking behind a group of kids who are stuck in like a bamboo cage pretty much. And so we had, like, two red lights for the eyes and one of those, a string of just, like, white triangular pendants, the type of stuff that I associate with, like, county fairs and more specifically... Car dealerships? Car dealerships? I was thinking of swim meets because we would always have those mm -hmm. to mark, you know, how many strokes before you flip and whatnot. And they held up those, like, basically two strands that as, like, giant teeth you know mm -hmm. white and pointy and then for the you know roaring noises it was just one of our friends screaming into a bucket <laughs> <laughs> i know one foley effect so sound effect something crashing off stage the director brought in he's like this is the the crash box and we're like what do you mean what do you mean and it was just full of I want to say glass and yeah. metal and like things that are intended to break and sound awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, throw this as hard as you can. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, theater is so much fun because you've got the structure of your role and the lines and mm -hmm. the story that you're following, but you also have the room to adapt to the audience's reaction, mm -hmm. which is so fun. It's like, if they laugh, you have to pause and hold whatever stance you're doing and like silently mm -hmm. react to each other in the yeah. scene and then continue because if you just keep talking they won't hear you right and then the, the audience will stop mm -hmm. laughing as much to hear you and then that just kills the, the vibe yeah. oh, that just reminded me another one of my favorite roles was my junior year i think yeah that was the one where it was who done it into whom mm -hmm. high school high school um and my character, so it's like a, a, a group of actors who are putting on a murder mystery play, but then people get start getting killed off at the end of this one scene that they're trying to rehearse in their real life. And my character is noticing that it always happens at this one point in the scene where the lights go out for no reason. I'm like, all right, maybe, just maybe, as he's taking a swig from a flask, <laughs> we're stuck in some sort of elaborate time loop. <laughs> it was so great. Like, we created a tradition of at least one person just having a flask on them in our high school play. And the best part is, it's an empty flask. Oh, yeah. There's there's nothing in it. Yeah, like... It's just a visual gag that can be slipped in without, adding, like, without disrupting the script. Yeah. It's really funny... Like, it's all in good fun. Mm -hmm. um, like, one year we used, like, a moonshine jug in the <laughs> typewriter owner's desk. Yeah, it's it, it's just silly. It's fun. Um, I think one of my favorite moments 
not my favorite play by any means, but one of my favorite moments was, uh, okay, so the play was called The View from Sunset Towers, and it was uh. a bunch of vignettes of, like, retired or older people and their lives. I was in an old married couple, and we were off to see the world, and fine, whatever. The best part was when we came back from our trip at the end of the play, from the back of the theater, mm -hmm. walking in with little wheeled rolly suitcases, and, oh, I, I don't quite remember the, what the deal was. Camden would, like, run in, kind of just, like, grab onto someone in the audience and go, like, how are the, how is this team doing? Oh, what's, what's the stock market like? And just running up and just interacting with people. I live for audience interaction. <laughs> and he, he had a lot of fun with that. And then I was just, while he's bothering people in the audience, I'm going up on stage and going, like, well, at least he made it this far. He lost his luggage in whatever place we, we had to... It's, like, it's this whole thing about how we keep getting lost. And it's really funny because we're like, oh, man, we spent three days in this one uh, airport. <laughs> All this silly stuff. And then he leaves his suitcase in the audience. So he has to go back and get it and, like, bother another person. <laughs> and uh, the, the script was pretty sparse. So unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, we were improv almost the entirety of that scene. <laughs> We just weren't committed to whatever those lines were. <laughs> so we would say anything we wanted. Nice. As long as we ended at the right, right lines, yeah. it didn't matter. So then it turned into me like stuffing a suitcase full of um, dream catchers and keychains yeah. so that Camden would open up his suitcase and go to the rest of the team, the rest of the crew, like they were waiting to do yeah, our... No, I remember getting handed one of those. Yeah. Because they were all like little dream catcher things that are one grandpa just gets in the mail unsolicited completely unsolicited he's like here take them i don't want them yeah so we took them as props and yeah no i do remember getting handed one of those little things by camden i i don't remember what scene i it was at the very wait, end no. like right wait is that the one where i was elvis <gasps> that was the play where you were elvis that takes the cake for elaborate costumes oh. it wasn't that elaborate it was just a shiny gold jumpsuit it was like a black and gold sequined jumpsuit and he had the hair and he had aviator sunglasses and he did one arm push-ups yeah i i can't do that now i can barely do regular push-ups there was a scene where elvis and this camera guy have a one-arm push-up contest and luke actually practiced so that he could actually do a bunch of one-arm push-ups and he could do them way better than the other person yeah it was so funny I can't believe we forgot about that. You were Elvis. You didn't do, like, do the voice or anything, did you? I don't think I had to talk much. Because it was, like, him reminiscing. The cameraman yeah. reminiscing. So the other guy was talking about it, and you were just kind of, yeah. like, acting out what he was talking about. I believe about. so, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to the, the Dreamcatchers. I remember Camden saying something different almost every time. And so <laughs> I remember the rest of the cast kind of gingerly, like, stepping forward mm -hmm. and, like... Just yeah, I remember him looking. Just, I remember him just being like, "Here you go, pleasant dreams for you." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pleasant dreams for you. Like one for you, none for you. Like yeah, because <laughs> there weren't quite enough for the whole cast. Right. So he would just <laughs> judiciously. <laughs> he would uh, judiciously. I can't say the word now. Judiciously. He would judiciously hand out, dole out. Uh, and uh, keep back from certain people and just go along. But he, I just, yeah, you're right. He said, right. pleasant dreams to you. And yeah. Some for you, not for you. And just keep going until <laughs> he had hand in all. And he was, you know, 
going along like a doddering old man hunched over and then he came back i don't remember what happened i don't know where all those dream catchers went actually but then we closed the whole scene with everyone like saying a line from their vignette or something related to their vignette character this is an interesting concept i just remembered a quasi theater related thing yes so listeners you all know those high school video projects that we all had to do at some point? I volunteered to do those if I could. Like, if I had an option <laughs> between doing a regular presentation or a video presentation, right. I was going to do the video one. Mm. Because that meant I could sit back and watch it with the rest of the class, you know? Right. So, my... Let's see, what am I in junior year? Junior? Senior, Senior year is when you do this Shakespeare stuff. It wasn't Shakespeare, it was Beowulf. Oh. I don't actually remember when this happened. Um, well, I had Yeah, no, that would have been senior year. Anyway, so we had to do a video project for Beowulf. And there's only, like, a few scenes we could do. Um, and so most of us were very unenthused about it. But, like, I knew most of the people uh, I was doing the project with. And we kind of just decided to go for the most meme riddled thing possible and i had a bunch of foam nerf swords and larp swords lying around so we used that for some of the like combat scenes while playing the skyrim theme over it yeah and you i was also in my like peak emo phase so yeah so they had a clip of my chemical romance (laughs) they made me edit it (laughs) yeah (laughs) they should not have given me that power (laughs) right well, I also wrote most of the scripts. So. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cheesy. <laughs> they were all terrible, to be honest. It's it's funny, but only funny in the way that school project videos yeah. can be. But also, during that senior year, every senior class, regardless of whether you're a theater kid or not, every kid that's a senior is required to perform something from Shakespeare. Like, in a group, not on your own. That'd be inhumane. Yeah, like, all of the regular classes did a scene from... What's the one with the three witches in the cauldron at the beginning? Not him. Macbeth. Ah, yes, the Scottish play. Yes. And there weren't exactly a ton of scenes that can be done with only, like, four or five people Mm -hmm. or three. So... You saw about a half dozen iterations of the three witches. <laughs> but it was great because some people would do it like in a weird country plaid version. Some people would do like yeah. just weird, like as funny as you could. And a the, lot of people just read off note cards right, and didn't but project. What was extremely funny to me was all these non-theater people. They were all just like, how do I make this as funny as possible so mm-hmm. people don't realize I'm the one doing this theater piece? The kids in the advanced classes got to do hamlet including the sword fight scene yes. which is very cool speaking of hamlet re- remember the, the uh, sock puppet the sock puppet hamlet thing from speech and drama that one year yeah it was so good there was this duo that instead of resorting to wearing different costumes for every character they had sock puppets for the characters they didn't want to play or like it yeah. was so good they had so many good jokes but like i guess the judges were dumb and wrote them stupid comments and their coach was like okay we gotta cut some of this out and it got like, they had to cut out some of the best bits. It ob- got objectively worse because of judges giving wrong comments. Yeah. I remember one time I got a judge's comment that was like, a proper Sherlock Holmes would not wear those shoes. Because I, I was wearing my own shoes. They were dress shoes. They were black leather. 
I feel like Sherlock would not mind. I just remember the one year at uh, with that dry English bit. I, I got to wear an actual firefighter helmet. Oh, yeah. That was heavy. <laughs> and given the size of my head relative to the size of it, it was a bit wobbly. <laughs> Didn't you also play violin? I had a violin with me, but we like ended the scene like as my character was starting to play. I know that upset some people because they wanted to hear violin music. The thing is, I can't play violin. In a later play, where I also got to play Sherlock, I did play violin. Poorly. <laughs> Very poorly. The violin, the tuners on it didn't work to begin with. Oh, it fell apart like while it was at a speech and drama meet. Like one string, the tuning peg popped out. Yeah. So I had to like rewind the string mm -hmm. onto the tuning peg and hope that it would hold so this was in between rounds and my partner camden who played watson was just sitting there watching me like whatever mm. and i'm like <laughs> yeah. and then people walking by were like what is going on right and then people again it, it's a it's a fun twist to have sherlock purposely badly play violin mm -hmm. and so people are like wow you play violin no i do not <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did. And then my Watson just runs it like, Holmes, Holmes, would you stop that, please? Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was such a fun piece because I love Sherlock. Oh, yeah, me too. And I have no problem playing Sherlock as a fool. Like, that's yeah. really fun. And the height difference was also hilarious because mm -hmm. Camden is not quite a foot taller than me, but... He's tall. He's tall. And so having a really tiny Sherlock, like, stomping around in the full deerstalker hat, uh, long coat, scarf, everything, and just trying to be in charge is really funny because I knew I wasn't. <laughs> yep. So clearly we have a lot of theater stories once we get going, and we are happy to talk about more. If you have any specific questions or if you've got a play that you want us to review, we'll gladly do that because... We have no problem making strong, arbitrary opinions. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you all for listening to our theatrical ramblings about theater. Uh, thank you for listening to the Bad Idea Corner, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>